But here's the problem with transactional thinking. You're an accountant, yeah. right? You know that at the heart of every transaction is what? What's the least I can give for the most I can get, right? That's not a recipe for real engagement. That's not a recipe for people who are going to be able to create more than the sum mm-hmm. of their parts, right? Yeah. That happens when they're getting needs met. That happens when they feel included. That happens when they feel appreciated. That happens when they laugh together. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, formerly known as Improv is No Joke, where it's all about believing that strong communication skills are the best way in delivering your technical accounting knowledge and growing your business. An effective way of building stronger communication skills is by embracing the principles of applied improvisation. Your host is Peter Margarita, CPA, a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant, and he will interview financial professionals and business leaders to find their secret in building stronger relationships with their clients, customers, associates, and peers, all the while growing their businesses. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 35, and my guest today is Dave Caperton. Dave is an author, speaker, and thought leader on ways that joy drives success. Dave uses humor to teach corporations, associations, individuals, and groups how living and working with intentional joy is an act of leadership and a disciplined will. It's not about avoiding or denying pain, which is impossible, but about maintaining joy as a default mode. It's like the king of the hill game we played when we were kids. Joyful people aren't always happy, but they don't whine and they don't choose responses like compassionate humor to get back to joy quickly when life knocks them down. Dave has 20 years of real-world experience speaking, coaching, and writing about the benefits of a joyful mindset in a business context, including how to unleash creativity, improve health, increase engagement, supercharge learning, and provide legendary service and care while reducing stress and conflict. As a veteran educator, performance consultant, comedian, and comedy writer, Dave fuses entertaining stories, in-depth research, and proven learning strategies to provide conversations about joy to celebrate success, solve people problems, and build a bridge between where you are now and where you want to be. His clients value his programs because they provide a shared experience that is highly interactive, informative, and funny, but also because they get results. Unlike many humor speakers, Dave's programs are infused with relevant and transformative takeaways that provide lasting value to accelerate you towards your goals. Dave is the author of Happiness is a Funny Thing, a book he describes as a Y2 book for greater happiness, health, and laughter, both at work and at home. Now, before we get to the interview, Change Your Mindset is part of the C-Suite Radio family of podcasts. It is an honor and a privilege to be amongst some of the more popular business podcasts, such as The Hero Factor with Jeffrey Hazlett, Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hiking, and Keep Leading with Eddie Turner. You can find Change Your Mindset and many other outstanding business podcasts on C-Suite Radio by going to www.c-suiteradio.com. In addition, you can now listen to this podcast on iHeartRadio. 
This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. And now, a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a high-content and engaging speaker for your next conference? Do you want to deliver a story to stakeholders that will transform data dumping to engaging business conversations? Do you want to feel that the value a speaker provides your audience far exceeds the dollar value on their invoice? Then book Peter for your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Contact Peter at peter at petermargaritas.com and visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com. By the way, one of his Fortune 50 clients actually made the comment about the value he brings to your audience. Now, let's get to the interview with Dave Caperton. Welcome back, everybody. I'm here in Denver, Colorado, attending NSA's annual Influence Convention and ran into one of our NSA Ohio chapter members, Dave Caperton, and I coerced him. I think I have to buy him a cocktail there, but he's, he said that he was set and, and be interviewed on my podcast. So, Dave, yes. uh, thank you very much for taking time out of your hectic and busy schedule to spend some time talking with me. Oh, I can't think of a better way to spend a few minutes. <laughs> the, Wait, I just thought of a couple of things. Yeah. I thought of a couple of, boy, they're coming fast and furious <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm thinking of dozens of things. <laughs> and, and the sarcasm was just dripping <laughs> off of that. That's just a value added. Yeah, and that just, <laughs> it just helped it all come to fruition. So, uh, can you give my audience a little bit about your background, Dave? Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I came out of education. I was a teacher from a family that had quite a few educators. My wife is a teacher. Uh, my sister, her sister. So we've got uh, we've got education in our DNA, and uh, so I did that for about eleven years. I taught high school English, and uh, then I got into stand up comedy. Started doing that, and that led me to an opportunity to be uh, a weekly radio guest in Columbus uh, on a on a local FM station. And there, I met a fella who uh, was a motivational speaker, first one I had ever met, and. Uh, Name of Phil Sorrentino. I knew exactly who you're going to say. Absolutely, yeah. he came yeah. in every yeah. Monday morning on Sunny ninety five uh, to do his Monday morning self motivational message. Well, I was on before him each Monday, so we would overlap. He was always early, and uh, we got we got acquainted, and so he gave me an opportunity to to do a, a program, and uh, within a couple of years, I was working for him. And did it full oh, you time. Really? You yeah, worked for I human worked consultants? For full time, for five years. Yeah. Really? I did not I know did. that. You didn't know that. So, yeah. So, people in Columbus, if they've been around a few years, they might they might remember. Yeah. Phil Sorrentino and Humor Consultants Incorporated. Yeah, actually, yeah. I almost went to work with Phil at one point in time. Did you really? Yeah, it never, it never, never transpired, but yeah, yeah. It was probably after your time because he didn't have any. He didn't have any. Uh, he didn't have anybody uh, with no, him at that no, point. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he moved from Columbus down to Fort Lauderdale, yeah. and now he's he's a Florida guy. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got this education background, stand up comedy. Yeah. Uh, on the see, this is why you're natural. I mean, with the radio voice, you're used to this, this interview style. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know what? It, 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 I mean, you say it's it's natural, but I came from stand up, and when I was first invited on to the radio station yeah. for this morning 
bit. And yeah. I said, well, what do I do? And they said, just do something you do, you know, in your, in your act. And I said, oh, okay, I got this. Yeah. And I walked in and they played some music for me to come on. We have a new guest. He's, he's here this, this Monday morning and he's going he's gonna to share some humor with us. He's a teacher and a stand-up comedian. It's Dave Caperton. And you know, my heart's pounding. This is kind of new. There's no audience out here. I'm just looking at a microphone. And all of a sudden he says, hey, Dave, what's the hubbub in education? He and used the word hubbub? Hubbub. And I, the word just threw me. And I said, the hubbub? <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly, I couldn't think of anything. Because I, I, I had this whole other thing planned. Yeah. And now we're talking about the hubbub. And, it, and I froze. Well, on radio, of course, you know, you can lose your FCC license. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With all this dead air. And my mouth is moving. Nothing's coming out. The producer wadded up a piece of paper and beamed me on the head with it. <laughs> which kind of snapped me out of my... <laughs> oh, that's right. He did the, he took his fingers and went the little rolling motion. Talk! <laughs> and finally got me in motion. I thought, oh, what a disaster. You know, I, I'm done. And the fellow's name was Mike Fiss. It was Mike and Jane in the morning. And he called me up that night. He said, what happened to you today? I I don't know. This hubbub and education thing threw me. He said... It doesn't matter what I say. You talk about whatever you want. I say education. You say, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the Cleveland Browns, you know? And finally, I realized, you know, oh, okay. Now <laughs> I, I kind of get it. So every single week, I went in terrified that I was going to forget. Yeah. So I had my bit bullet pointed and in my breast pocket every single week for five years. I never took it out of my pocket. But it was like Dumbo's magic feather in there. It's just like, you know, I know it's there. I'm okay. <laughs> so, that's cool. <laughs> but it would have been nice if we would have told you at the beginning, prior to you coming on that first time. By the way, I'm going to ask you a question. Just change the subject. Yeah, yeah. Well, you didn't say that, so. <laughs> but, but you, but, no, but you're a professional. <laughs> I knew I didn't have to tell you that. Where do you want to I thought you were until you fumbled with your recording device well, for 10 you, minutes. Well, you know, sometimes if you get to hit a button, that proves that you're a true podcaster when you can mess it up and still keep the guests Wanted to still be interviewed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so um, now you're a professional. You've been a professional speaker. Yeah, 25 for, years. For 25 years. Yeah. And you're not up on stage just telling jokes. And no. That's, that's not, no. You no. have a message in there that, you, that you're sharing. Right. The way you. I look at it is I'm using humor as the vehicle because that's what opens up people's minds. You know, when we're laughing together. Yeah. I mean, think about it. When you laugh. <laughs> Part of you is in agreement with right. whatever is making you laugh. Right. 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 And I, I just believe that when you are happy, you're open. It's almost like an open channel. And while people are open, you can drop in ideas and new ways of thinking. Yeah. And so some of those new ways of thinking are there are choices that you can make that affect your mindset, which affects everything. The way that you approach your work, the way you handle stress, the way that uh, you, you interact with the people you work with, the way you serve your customers. All of that happens uh, by the choices we make, mm -hmm. how we choose to explain our adversity to ourselves is a decider in whether or not we're happy, joyful people or we're people all the time pessimistic and feeling put upon. So I use humor to help people in my stories or my observations, and they're laughing, and then I try to bring it back to, but the lesson here is this. Right. Right? Right. And so they walk away, 
and hopefully then some of that sticks. But it's not in spite of the laughter. That's because of it. Exactly. So what's the, what's the old joke at NSA about if you want to be a professional speaker? Do, do I have to be funny to be a professional speaker? Only if you want to get paid. paid. Yeah. yeah and, right. But there, there is some, along those lines, there is some truth in that because the more we can make the audience laugh, the more engaged they are. Sure. The, the more the, 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 their mind is open and we're making them laugh, and, and, but they're learning. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a journal, journalism professor at OU named Mel Hurlitzer. Yeah, know? Mel Hurlitzer. Yeah. yeah, and he wrote a book on comedy secrets. Right. But I read somewhere, and I've kept this, and I used this when I was teaching, that uh, it's not what's taught at the university, it's what's caught. And if I can make my students laugh, I can then spoon in that knowledge. Exactly. Same way that you yeah, just Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. You know, I had, it's funny because sometimes you work with a bureau or you work with a client, and they'll ask this question, which has always kind of uh, both amused and puzzled me, where they'll say, uh, what percentage is content in your message? in your program, and what percentage is entertainment or, or humor? Mm -hmm. you know, what's the percentage of each? So I like to give them something really specific, like it's 48% uh, content yeah. and 52% humor. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Look, honestly, it's 100% content. Right. But it's wrapped in something that they can digest. It's, that's the sugar coating on the nutritional... Uh, core, right? Right. And that's all it really is. So I just find it's an effective teaching. It was true in, in, in my classroom. You know, when, when kids were, were laughing. Now, I mean, you could get carried away. Right. right? Oh, yeah. And I, I, I think that's even true in, in speaking. You can chase a laugh to the point that you completely dilute the message. Exactly. You know, and if then if you, you know, if you just want to entertain, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you can strike that balance, it's right. like, hey, that's in there. Right, right, or or it has a point, and we right. can bring it back to it. Then the laughter really does; it serves, and it adds value. It adds value. Yeah. So, thinking about my audience, and they tend to be financial professionals. Yeah. And they go through very stressful times. Sure. And because I, I remember when I was in public accounting, those stressful times, and there, there was no humor. Yeah. I mean, but when it needed it the most, right? There was no humor. Yeah. I tried. I was told not to. <laughs> We're very serious. <laughs> we need to get serious, we, Peter. Right. We need to get serious. Treat I can... this like it's a big joke. Right. Right. Were you there? <laughs> God, I got, I got goosebumps. I think I'm, just, I'm, I'm reliving something from the past. He just had a flashback. Yeah. But I could never make the argument that if we had some fun, we had some humor, it would help manage that stress level. Yeah. It just never... And I think that has changed, but... Can you describe a situation like that where you've helped a group who have these periods of time that they're stressed out? What advice do you give them in order to Well, you know what? That reminds me uh, back, because I've been doing this a long time, on 9-11, I was in line at the ticket counter checking in for a flight on United to go to New York, right? Now oh, I'm going really? from Columbus, right? So it's yeah. not like it's... But my wife knew that I was on a flight to New York, and all of a sudden, we're hearing what's happening. Yeah. And so naturally, national ground stop. The right. event that I was going for that night was canceled. Right. But they then wanted to reschedule a couple of weeks later. Mm. But I got a call from the client, and she said, I'm really not certain that your part with humor is going to be right. These people, some of them, 
were actually on the bucket brigades. Oh, wow. At ground zero, doing the recovery effort. Yeah. He said, so I'm wondering if this is appropriate. And I told her about uh, our son, uh, Alex, who was just a young fellow then in 2001. He was just in second grade. But a few years previous, he had gone through uh, childhood cancer. Mm. And mm. I mean, in that moment, you go like, laughter's got no place. Right. But we found out how much it did. It yeah. had a huge place. So I told her that. And I said, you know, this helped us cope. We found ways to laugh. We found reasons to laugh. We sought reasons to laugh because right. we needed it. Right. I said, your people need to heal. This is what makes them start to feel normal again. Right. We're all shocked. We're all traumatized. This is healing. This isn't disrespectful. So I went and I did share that with him. It was just amazingly well-received. And people laughed and they enjoyed. And then I had a moment where they could share something. One of them was a firefighter. And he said, you know, I'm... He said, you know, we're on the bucket brigade. He said, we're down there in ground zero. And he said, whatever you need. He goes, it's, it's grim work. We know that there are thousands yeah. of American, you know, lives that were lost and their bodies are in there. He says, we're passing things up and down the line. If you need a short ladder, if you need a flashlight, because you'd shout it down the line. Mm -hmm. And then it would be repeated over and over again. Flashlight, 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 on down the line. And they would pass that back up. He said... And every once in a while, it was just like it got to be too much. And you would just feel everybody fall into mm -hmm. this kind of gloom. Yeah. And he said, all of a sudden, right then, this guy said, elephant. <laughs> and he said, three people said, elephant, <laughs> passing it up the line because they were so used to repeating it. And everything stopped. The whole line broke up. He says, I laughed. And he said, and then we went back to work. Yeah. And he said, you know, that helped kind of reset. Yeah. We were able to go back and do what we were there to do. And I think that's really all that, you know, humor. Uh, well, it's one of the many things that humor does. It gives you that break. It's like a little ray of sunshine in the clouds. It gets you, you know, ah, yeah. and now I can go, you know. So I don't know if you remember where you were on October 11th, 2001. Probably don't, no. a month later. But right. that night, President Bush was doing a press conference. Okay. And it was, tension in the room was out of control. Sure. I mean, the meter was way to the right. And it got towards the end, and an AP reporter stands up and says, Mr. President, what are we supposed to do? And Bush paused for a moment and said, well, if you see somebody you don't know get into a crop duster, call us. <laughs> now, right now, that's not that funny, but yeah. at that moment, the whole room started laughing. Yeah, yeah. And he just kind of, just like, he kind of reset the room. Right. To, okay, the, now we're getting a little bit on the way too emotional, irrational side. Mm -hmm. Let's let's bring it back to something real that we can manage moving forward and, and try to contain that. To some degree, it was almost hysteria at that point. If you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I read a book one time called This Job Should Be Fun by Bob Basso. And he told a story in that book about this flight that he was on. And all of a sudden, it was this horrible turbulence, unlike anything. He said, you know, turbulence is a normal thing. He said, but this was, it was, it was scary. Yeah. And he said, they, they were really afraid that this was something much more than just turbulence, mm -hmm. you know. And all of a sudden, the, the door opened to the lavatory. And this big guy from Texas <laughs> steps out. <laughs> And all of a sudden, all this turbulence stopped. <laughs> and he stepped out, and they all looked at him. He said, I just jiggled the handle, and everything's okay. 
And he said, you know, there was a moment of laughter. Mm -hmm. And he says, sometimes that's what humor does. It just allows you to kind of, you know, jiggle the handle and then, you know, it's, it, it's okay. You know. I, that's a great analogy. So, but let, let's talk about humor. There's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, <laughs> there's a difference between humor yeah. and jokes. Yeah, well, I mean, I, 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 it's humor certainly includes jokes. That's right. The, that's the big banner here, right? Jokes well, are part of, of that. Or, the structure yeah, of jokes. The structure of jokes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's to evoke humor. But, you know, I just think of humor as an attitude of lightness. There it is. You know, it's an attitude. It's an attitude more than anything else. It's just an attitude. So it's the way you approach. It's the, you know, it's, it's, it's the way you come at difficulties mm -hmm. as well as the good stuff. You know, if you, if you can, if you can uh, apply humor in the, in, in, the, in the easy moments, but that's great. But when it's really useful. Right is when it gets tough, you know, that's when you need it, you know, that's when we needed it when our son was sick. Yeah. Know? And he, by the way, he, he did great. He's fine. And he grown up and, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's off he, payroll. He's, <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, those were moments we, we needed it. Mm -hmm. And so humor was just something, uh, I think at that point you got to seek it out. Right. Hey. I, uh, or my, my, uh, my mother-in-law is a West Virginia, born and bred. I've got family members from Appalachia on both sides, right? But she was from Mud Fork, West Virginia, <laughs> right? Now, you don't get more West Virginia than yeah, Mud Fork, Fork West yeah. Virginia, right? Cole country, <laughs> Logan County. And uh, so she cooks what she describes as hillbilly cooking, mm -hmm. right? And so uh, I, I was at a conference one time for cancer survivors. Mm -hmm. And I watched this woman walk in the room and she had people around her who were laughing and smiling. And yet I could see she was a cancer survivor mm -hmm. going through treatment right then. Had her head wrapped in a scarf mm -hmm. right, to hide the effects. But she had this t-shirt on that had something written on it. And I was nervous about speaking to this mm -hmm. group because I thought, hey, I'm walking in their shoes. You know, I'm not a doctor. I, I don't have the authority to tell them, you know, hey, humor is gonna be important for your coping with this life-changing illness. So I was nervous. And she came right down front to sit. Mm -hmm. And I remember when she got close enough, I read her T-shirt. It said, hair by chemo. <laughs> right? And I laughed. And then I kind of stopped. I was like, oh, you know, it's a cancer joke. But it took me a while to understand that what she was doing was she was understanding what was life and death and what wasn't. Right. Right? Right. Loss of her hair wasn't life and death. Right. It was a side effect, and it would, right. that would go back. So she allowed humor to be the way she coped with that. So back to my mother-in-law from mm -hmm. West Virginia, right? So she would make these wonderful breakfasts. She called mm -hmm. her hillbilly breakfasts, mm -hmm. right? And you know what that is, uh, right? Exactly. I grew right. up in Kentucky. I'm, I'm getting You're hungry. Kentucky, you, right? So you know it is fat and cholesterol right. and salt and nothing good for you, and it's fantastic. fantastic. It tastes wonderful. It does. Yeah. I think the family crest is like two iron skillets over a field of Lipitor capsules. I mean, <laughs> it, right? So, <laughs> so anyway, when she, one day she gave us one of those iron skillets. had been her great-grandmother. Wow. Right? From the 1920s. Yeah. Right? Do you know you don't wash those things? Yes, I do know that. You just wipe them out. You just gotta so, wipe them out. Well, that, yeah, that's seasoning. Se yep, exactly. Said, Man, this has got seasoning from the Coolidge administration. <laughs> this is incredible. You know. Yeah. So I took this thing home. I love cooked breakfast. My yeah. wife and I both like to cook. 
but I love to cook breakfast. You know, I just, that's my thing. And so I said, I am making us a hillbilly breakfast on Saturday morning. Man, Saturday morning rolls around. I am out of bed downstairs, 6 a.m. I put the fire on. I put that big black iron, a big dollop of bacon grease in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm gone. I'm all in, right? I'm over there chopping up potatoes and onions, right? I'm kind of whistling the ballad of Jed Clampett. You know, I'm just in the zone. And all of a sudden, I look around, there's smoke coming up off the fat that's all liquefied. Yeah. I thought, oh, now that's going to burn the onions, char it all, ruin everything. Yeah. I got to turn that, get it off the fire for a minute, let it cool. Yeah. So I grabbed the handle of the skillet. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, where were you that day, Peter? Uh, and I dropped it because I seared my hand. Fat went everywhere. Fire started on the stove. Smoke alarm goes off, right? And I'm, yeah, ah, fire licking up the walls above the stove. And you can't throw water on it. It's a grease right, fire. Right, right, right. What do I do? And my hand is puffing up. And I look down, and there's a big red pothole sitting on the counter. And I grabbed that pothole, wrapped it around the handle of that thing, mm-hmm. moved it off the fire. Grab the baking soda, put out the fire. By this time, Susanna's down, looking at me, going, "What has happened in here?" Because not only is the room filled with smoke, yeah. right? Yeah. Smoke alarm still blaring away. I'm over there pouring water on this skillet handle shaped brand yeah. on the palm of my hand, but I'm laughing, and <laughs> she's looking at this scene, trying to figure out what it is that's so funny because yeah. it's all kind of playing back to me. This right. slapstick scene. But at that moment, I looked down at that potholder, and something clicked. I went, that's it. That's humor. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. It doesn't put out the fire. It doesn't really change that reality, but it gives you an insulator that just for a moment, <laughs> you can get a hold of something that maybe is too painful a reality to come in direct contact with. And most of the time, that's enough. I had no idea where you were going with that. <laughs> I a long way around the barn. I was a long way around the barn, but man, did you nail it at the uh, <laughs> once again, Dave Caperton nailed it. But that, that's a that's a great metaphor. Yeah, the the the, yeah. the, the, the red the red potholder. Red pot Have you ever turned that into a story and delivered it to a, a group of folks? You know what? I used to take potholders with me and tell that story. Oh yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Great yeah. visual. Yeah. Um, and, and you were talking about your, your, your son and stuff and how humor helped. I, I remember when my son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Yeah. And I get, we get him to the, we're not sure if he has, I was pretty sure. They, they you know, do some blood tests and stuff. And then the doc comes in and looks my son square in the eyes. And he's 16 right. years old, 15, 16. Stay, I'm just going to give it to you straight. You have diabetes. He did not flinch. He did not cry. All he did was turn and look at me and went, hey, thanks, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) And and I went, that's my boy. (laughs) He used that little bit of humor to to fuse it because he knew that I was was over the moon. I mean, I I was just completely... Way over the moon, but he reset me and brought me back and basically yeah. told me it's going to be okay. It's going wow. to be okay. That's... Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Wow. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Great. <laughs> now I have guilt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So we were just on the side, we're sitting around with some friends and talking, and the conversation came up. What did you get from your mom and dad? What, what characteristics? And it gets to my son, and he goes, From my mother, I got a kind heart. From my father, I got all of his diseases. 
He's like, yeah, I do it. I can't. I try my best. <laughs> but he's, I mean, I, I, I really, I actually try to get him to maybe start thinking in the comedic way or doing some, really? start to yeah. do some writing and stuff, but I, I just can't. <laughs> Sounds like he's got the, the humor perspective. He does. The humor have, attitude. I have worked very hard to try to help keep that with him. You know what? And I find a, a lot of people who have great senses of humor and do something with them. Mm-hmm are people who have had to use that humor to overcome, to get through, right? Right. The, the, the hard stuff. Right. Right? That's the reason why so many comedians are like, hey, look, I had a dysfunctional childhood or, or I, you know, I, I was picked on as a kid, you right. know. And it was their way of surviving. It was a way of coping. It was a way right. of getting through. And then finally they went, wow, you can actually do something with this professionally, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. But it's that part that now you turn it around and you're trying to help others. Right. I mean, I don't know about your background, but kind of good to know you. You're probably like a Norman Rockwell kind of uh, uh, growing up. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, uh, no, no dysfunctionality, nothing. It's pretty cool, but you had this, you know, this sense of humor. Yeah, you know what? I, I didn't have the dysfunctional childhood. I had loving parents and a wonderful, loving sisters. Yeah. I was the youngest. I was a baby. I was spoiled rotten. That you explains know? it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, and that is part of it. You know, it's like you're always getting the spotlight, so you grow up the rest of your life going like, I deserve it, you know? And so, right. you know, I, I think there's, there, there's a little part. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where the other the other comedians come from. Some of them are using it oh. as therapy. The rest of us are just jerks, <laughs> spoiled brats. <laughs> but you're taking that humor and helping audiences cope with everyday things, right? And I think the hard part. Is, I'm going to make an assumption because it's a hard part for myself. We see them laugh. We, yeah. we, we see them enjoying the comedy. We see them going. We can tell by their eyes and the way their heads. They're, they're picking sure. up what you're putting down. Right. But then they leave. Yeah. And you know what happens when they leave? Right. They, they go back to the same old thing. They 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 don't want they want to go back they want to go back to the comfort zone. Yeah. And I challenge audiences to if. You don't have to be Dave Caperton to make people laugh. Everybody has some sense of humor. Some right. humor is drier than others. Some are drier than the Mojave Desert. Yeah. But there's some humor there. And at those times at work, whether it's elephant. Right, right, right. Or you start a, a, you bring a beach ball to work and you can feel the tension. So you yeah. have like a beach ball uh, around the office or something just to lighten the stress load. Right, right. I mean, it's not, you know, and what I always try to give the groups that I have the privilege of sharing with is something small. I I don't want them walking out with a, a laundry list of to-dos because I know that's doomed to failure. Right. I walk out with one thing that you're going to change. Right. However small that you say, wow, I, I could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think if we... You know, I believe in granular change. Make it as small as possible, but do it all the time. Right. Right? So, you know, that that might be simply developing a habit of when... I mean, here's here's something people could do when they're saying, man, I... What if, when would things get stressful and when things, how in the world do I find some fun and joy and laughter in that moment? Like start practicing, it could be worse, right? <laughs> yeah. And those can get awfully ridiculous, right. you know? It could be worse, you right. know? Remember that movie, A Young Frankenstein? <laughs> and they're digging the grave, they're going to rob a grave. Yeah. And, and, he's, and 
Gene Wilder's character, uh, Frankenstein, yeah. he says, oh, this is a miserable work. And Marty Feldman says, <laughs> oh, I don't know. It could be worse. He says, how? He goes, could be raining. <laughs> And all of a sudden, you hear thunder <laughs> down for <laughs> Well, there you go. So I think that's a good exercise. It you know? is a good could exercise. be worse. It could right? be worse. Yeah, it could and be right. I did that. Did you? I did that. When I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, right. I said it could be worse. It could have been pancreatic cancer. Absolutely. And that helped me get Yeah, that's through. funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's funnier? <laughs> pancreatic cancer. <laughs> That's a death wish. My, 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 my pancreas wasn't working, but it could have been. Yes. Worse. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that is a good, because it does. What is, well, it's just forcing you to change your perspective, mm -hmm. right? And then you can also take it in a fun way. You know, it, 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 it could be worse, right? I could look like Dave Caperton. You know, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't know. But I mean, you could, you could you, play you, with you it, read right? my mind right now, my friend? <laughs> I got a face for podcast. Um, <laughs> That's what my mother told me when I was younger. I had a face for radio, yeah, so I yeah, knew yeah. I was going to be successful at this. <laughs> We're perfect together. <laughs> I had one time, I met somebody after I was doing radio for a while, and she said, are you the guy who does the thing on Monday morning, the fun? I said, yeah. She said, you know, you sound fat and blonde. <laughs> and that's how I pictured you, a big, heavy guy with blonde hair. And I said, how do you sound um, overweight yeah. <laughs> have a hair color in your voice? Yeah. That's just how she envisioned me. Hmm. So I'm not going to be able to get that out of my mind now. <laughs> I know. So, I <laughs> so here's another thing. And I know, I know you do this. A lot of us do, but a lot of people don't and trying to find the funny. Funny's around us all, all the time. Yeah. Funny's around yeah, us. And when yeah. you see something funny or hear something funny, write it down. Absolutely. To remember. Yeah. But most people don't, you know, or just start looking for things that just are unusual, that just make you go, what? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much incongruity. You know, I, there are signs that are wrong, right? There are people who are just, I, I, I love to watch, just be a people watcher, yeah. right? You, you can almost always find humor in the bathroom mirror in the morning. And I mean, there's, there's always some place that you can find you can find humor. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking up to a, uh, uh, there, there was a sign up where it was at this hotel and they were doing construction. And they had made a sign. It was a perfectly made sign. They had printed it up. And it said, please excuse our mess. If there is anything we do, just ask. <laughs> Somebody left out do. some words somewhere. Yeah. If there is anything we do, just ask. I like. Is there anything you do? And I, you know, so I mean, it's just, and my son, he loves to walk around taking pictures of, of funny signs, you know, and things that are uh, because it is. I mean, if, if once you develop sort of a, a radar for it, mm -hmm. then you filter for it, and the funny things that people say, and the contradictory things that people say, you know, it just makes you laugh. And the other night during the cocktail hour, uh, the, we were reminiscing about the day with a bunch of other people. Yeah. And there's a few things that they won't go into the, the, the content of it. Yeah. Like, but you see things differently and you're able to deliver it in a way that just makes people laugh. And it's, it's you weren't being disrespecting or anything, but you just almost like this, well, what if kind yeah. of thing. But, uh, oh, but it, it's, it's that attitude. It, it's just looking at things and looking at the world from a different lens. And it's, 
there's more humor around us. I was on, I was like an upgrade on a, on a flight, mm. Delta flight. We're flying to Atlanta and, um, I was in the bulkhead seat with a gentleman next to me and there was a, a, a young couple and they had with a baby and they were in the right. front. And then all of a sudden this unbuckled, you know, seatbelts, you know, please move around the cabin. And oh, good Lord, something stunk to high. My eyes were, what the? It's <laughs> <laughs> like nuclear. And I look over and the young couple's changing the baby's diaper right there. <laughs> the flight attendant comes out, hits that, and goes, oh, dear Lord, and walked right back. Oh, wow. I mean, it was just nuclear. But, you know, those those tray tables are awfully handy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they were. So, oh, my. And they did say, please go into the... but. I wrote that down. There's a story in there. There's some humor oh, yeah, in, yeah, at, at, at some point in time. So I, I guess the, the message to, to our audience is one, lighten up a little bit, right? Right, sure. Well, don't take yourself. But bring humor to work with you every single day. Right. But I like that what you said, granular. Right. A little thing. A little a thing. A little thing. Don't come in going, hey, do you the one about the priest, the rabbi, and Bill Clinton walking to a bar? I did not walk in that bar. <laughs> I haven't walked in a bar in years. I gave that up. You're gonna you always try to find a way to get your Clinton impression. I know that's the only, that's, the only, that's the only one I have that really works. But I've been working on Morgan Freeman because I think Morgan's voice that he could read an IRS letter to you and you would be happy about it. <laughs> he has that smoothness in his voice. Yeah, yeah. That's that's Bill Clinton doing Morgan Freeman. Freeman. <laughs> Where are you going to see that? <laughs> the very obscure impressions exactly. of Peter Margarita. Right, right. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a professional impressionist, but I try to be. I, I play you, one on TV. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, you know, here's a very simple, I think, a very simple challenge is the things that irritate us. We, ha- we all have to get in traffic sometimes, and it's irritating. <laughs> we all have to deal with the idiot who's, you know, in, in the, the left lane with Ugh. his right blinker on, and he's, it's been on s- since you crossed the state line, mm-hmm. right? We all have to deal with that. This is what I have, have tried to make much more my habit. Choose amusement over anger. Right. right? There you go. Choose amusement over anger. That is the choice you have. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a YouTube uh, video that got that went viral a few years ago, and this little kid who at his grandmother's house was eating things that his mother told him he could not eat. He's three years old, mm-hmm. right? And he's a little Hispanic kid, mm-hmm. and his mother is she's filming this, and she's he, he's calling her by her name, not mom. He's calling her Linda, right? Really? And she said. You are not listening to me. You are not. He said, no, no, you are not listening to me. Linda, Linda, you are not listening to me. And it was cute as it could be. He's closing his eyes and pointing his finger. No, no, you are not listening to me. I am allowed to at grandma's house, right? And it went viral because it was so cute to watch this kid. Linda. But my wife and I, because... We've been married for over 30 years, and she's my best friend and my business partner, and I, you know, I'm my laugh buddy. She is absolutely uh, all those things. I'm very blessed in that way. Yes, you are, because I've witnessed it, and yes, you are very blessed in that way. Thank you. Yeah, and so you know, I mean, I 
I couldn't get through the day without yeah. her. And I know that that's an advantage and a, a something that I have that a lot of people don't don't have. Right. But we still bicker. You know, of course, you're married. You're, you're married. I, I hear people are like, oh, we never fight. I like then one of you is dead, right? <laughs> <laughs> or wishes they were, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or wishes you were, right? Because I mean, if if two people are together and they agree on everything, one of them is not necessary, right? Right. right. So if we would find ourselves getting into some stupid little, mm-hmm. we knew, you know how you know you're heading for it, yes. right? There's just we're just not in the same emotional place, right. and something's kind of getting under the skin. If one of us would go, Linda, Linda, <laughs> you are not listening to me. What that did was it was like it gave us an exit ramp. Yeah. You can take this or you can continue down that road. Yeah. And you know what's down that road, uh, a really ugly day. Yeah. Right? Right, right, right. So if, if we could take that, that was an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And if we could laugh in that moment, and that allowed us to kind of go, you know what, this is stupid. Yeah. And I was just that's that's the choosing, amusement over anger. Amusement over anger. Yeah. And I try to do that all the time. When my wife and I, we, we have disagreements or, or I'm, I'm being a knucklehead. I know I'm not the easiest person to live with. But the one thing she, and hopefully. That's with, true, you are. The, but hopefully she <laughs> says at one point in time, maybe it's at my, at my eulogy or whatever. She goes, you know what? He made me laugh every single day. Oh, that. He was home, though. <laughs> when he was home. <laughs> when he was home. When he was home. But I, I just love making her laugh. I just yeah, yeah. absolutely that's 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 my goal every day when I'm either on the phone or, or if I'm home. As opposed to your previous marriage, which was he made me smile every single day. He was gone. It was gone. <laughs> you knew my first wife. <laughs> it, it was a lot like that. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't a whole lot of humor there. But it, you know, I, I attribute that to twenty coming up to twenty four years. Is that first right? first oh, one lasted great. three three years. Yeah, on paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just that congruency and and right. you, once you get to know the person for a long period of time you can be at a, an engagement or, or, or at a cocktail party and look across the room and know exactly what the other person is thinking oh yeah and just yeah. sometimes even by yeah. that look can make her laugh right yeah. right yeah. and right. That, that's like the creme de la creme right there yeah. oh yeah. yeah well that's what you know when you have a wonderful uh marriage or you have a wonderful even a friendship yeah. uh Close relationships. This is what I think, you know, organizations, business organizations, work work teams and all. We act like that's some completely different animal that runs by different rules. You right. Know? Human relationships and the dynamics of human interaction are remarkably similar mm-hmm. in marriage, in work teams, in friendships, in groups of, of co-workers people. and co-workers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, remarkably similar needs and remarkably similar communication. A lot of this, there's a lot more similarities between groups of people who are bound together in a single purpose. Mm-hmm. Or, and what you want is a certain amount of intimacy. And that, when that happens, you know it happens mm. is because you have, you know it in a marriage, looking across, just, yeah. you know. And Stephen King, the, the, the author, he called it the interior language. Of, of marriage. Mm. We have our own language that we understand, words that we say, stories mm-hmm. that we share. Families have that. Right, they have an right. interior language. Humor is one of the great uses of it is it defines an outside from an inside. The people who get the joke mm-hmm. are inside. 
And by getting it, they know they're inside. Yeah. When we share an inside joke, that means, hey, I'm safely in here with my tribe. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that humor does. So nobody's laughing together. You're not making enough contact points that really could be beneficial in a lot of ways. And if you're not laughing together, they're looking for other employment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, right. an, that's an engagement tool that, that, that we need to remember to have fun at work and bring that humor because that keeps people engaged versus they're bigger sure. and fighting all the time. It's, it's right. really, it's, it's just like a, a marriage. It is. It is. I mean, there are things that we all want. We have to know we matter. Right. 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 We have to be recognized. Right. right. It, 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 we, we, we have to feel included. Mm-hmm. Right. That we are actually part of this and share a purpose together that's bigger than any one of us. And we have to know somebody cares about us. Those really are the things that are, they're central to every successful and functional relationship. And I think what the mistake sometimes that work teams make is they make it all transaction, you know? Right. I give you money, you give me work, we have a contract, that's mm. how it works, right? They're like, that's fine. But here's the problem with transactional thinking. You're an accountant, yeah. right? You know that at the heart of every transaction is what? What's the least I can give for the most I can get? Right. That's not a recipe for real engagement. That's not a recipe for people who are going to be able to create more than the sum mm-hmm. of their parts. Right. Yeah. That happens when they're getting needs met. That happens when they feel included. That happens when they feel appreciated. That happens when they laugh together. So they've... It's, I don't know, what time is it? It's 2.56 here in Denver, Colorado, which yep. means it's 5 o'clock back home. <laughs> well, I know what that means to you, Peter. <laughs> well, I, was, I was thinking that, yeah, maybe I, no, maybe I should just go to the general session and listen to the speakers and then wait for Denver 5 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. But you've decided. <laughs> it doesn't sound like that's what your decision well, is. I, I'm, still, I'm still deciding, but the, yeah. in all honesty, man, I, I greatly appreciate you taking time. I, I, lo- I love your message. Uh, I, I lo- I, every time I'm around, I'm always laughing. Uh, I, I wish you would teach me a little bit more of what you about how you craft humor, because you've been doing a lot longer than I have, and, and you've you've got some chops that I wish that I had, but. Love talking with you. You're funny as hell. And I, I, I love this message that you're out there. Uh, I'm not going to use the word preacher or, 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 or casting among the organizations. I yeah, really yeah. have to run their business successfully by incorporating joy and humor. You got it. All right. I, I think I've got a convert. <laughs> 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 One more disciple. Yeah, let's, well, let, let's hopefully this this episode will turn out some more converts, yeah. more people that'll that'll um, that'll drink the water. Yeah, well, I hope so. Yeah, hope don't, so. don't not that Dave Matthews song. Don't drink the water. <laughs> I didn't want to use Kool Aid because that's a Jim Jones kind of thing from way back in the past. So, we're gonna, but I, I hope. Yeah, you, let's uh, end on a mass suicide joke. <laughs> <laughs> so far, we've covered pancreatic cancer, <laughs> diabetes, childhood cancer, <laughs> and the Guyana tragedy. <laughs> okay, let's both say goodbye at the same time. <laughs> no, you hang up first. No, no you hang up. No, no, you go first. No, you go first. Uh, thanks again, Dave. Thank you, Peter. All right, bye. 
Now that you've listened to this episode, what will you do to bring joy to your organization? Will you change your mindset and bring the attitude of humor and joy to work with you every single day? Personally, I hope you do because everyone would rather work with someone with this attitude versus the opposite. Take a moment and think about that. Thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and share this episode with a friend. Also, please visit www.csuiteradio.com to listen to many of the excellent business podcasts they have in the network. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.